Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a moment and relax, our usual, and just anything else that's going on, just let it fall by the wayside. Just gently, just remind yourself God loves you and is in control of every aspect of your life. And that spiritually, in your spirit, you are fully aware of everything he's doing in your life and that it is good that you've embraced it, that he is for you. God is for you. He's not waiting for you to trip up. He's not saying, okay, I'm... You know, this is a test. Your life is a test to see how much you fail so that I know where to place you for eternity. That's not his way of doing things. That's not his nature. His nature is love, and he shows his love. He shows his nature by giving, by giving himself. For God so loved, he gave part of how we can judge how we're doing. Are we giving? I'm not talking about money necessarily. Most of the time it's just much more about our attitude, not about what we get, but are we generous? Do we have a generous attitude? Giving the other person, for instance, the benefit of the doubt. Not being in a rush to be first in line. Anything that God may put his finger on, just to reveal to us that we're all still, we all still have a long way to go. And that's fine. Wherever you are right now is where God wants you. God's not only in charge of your circumstances, circumstances, he's in charge of your time. And solically speaking, so are you. We have so much power and authority in our soul that you and I as Christians, I don't know whether we are all have the same kind of fear, but we all have, are afraid to learn even what we have available to us right now. With that knowledge comes the responsibility of learning how to use it. This is where, you know, occupy and and being good stewards of what God has given us. Not because it will affect how much God loves us, but because we embrace our new nature, our spirit nature, and that is to grow up into all things in him. Not as individuals, but part of him, one with him his nature reflected in us first. We are first partakers of the first fruit. And then we share, we give what we have received. So we receive unconditionally that which God gives unconditionally. And then we give unconditionally what we have received unconditionally. 
The soul on its own does not like that. Your soul, my soul, wants to control. That's the first characteristic of your soul is control. Now, God made your soul that way. That's a characteristic of all soul, all human being, what he created to exist on this earth. That's one of the main characteristics that he gave every soul. Just as your body, everybody has a heart, has certain characteristics, has skin, arms and legs, and you know all the different characteristics oh, that we can look at one another and say, okay, there's a, there's a human body there. Well, the soul also has many characteristics that are, that are the same, and one of them is desire and need and drive for control. That's God-given. That came from him. So we're not out to become passive or to become uninterested or uninvolved. Your soul, again, is your mind, your will, and your emotions. We're not out to become unthinking or unmindful or indecisive and passive or unemotional and cold or, you know, being at rest is not unemotional. You know, what, is the, what are the fruit of the Spirit? You know, love, joy, peace, rest, gentleness, kindness. These are things that are reflective of our soul being connected to our spirit and our mind, will, and emotions being fully active and free from wounds and obstruction. So it's not that our mind, will, and emotions don't function independently. They function dependently as a receiver and a transmitter of God's love. So your soul is becoming fully active. You know, we have this idea about, you know, the, the, the concept of free will. And we could also talk about free emotions and free mind because those are the parts of our soul. And if, and if this is not something you relate to as far as you were taught different aspects of the soul, fine. What, what speaks life to you, take that. That's fine. Because that's what's important is what is God saying to you? But what he is expressing through our soul is for our good to reunite your soul in oneness with your spirit. And the whole concept of having a free will is impractical. Think about what that means, a will that is independent of God. Is anything independent of God? God created everything and he didn't ever say even if he said okay i i'm not interested in this anymore where is that supposed to go let's say i'm no longer in interested in the moon anymore so where is the moon supposed to go where god can't find it god doesn't lose interest in things he we are 
part of his process, what he's doing, his purpose. He's not impatient and he's not impartial. Again, his nature is love and an, and an all-encompassing love. And his love for us is for our good, for our benefit. We, the more we see what he is doing in us, the more we are grateful. So when you're feeling pressure, when you're feeling like you're not measuring up, when you're feeling fear or anxiety, if you're, for instance, if you're afraid of dying, there's a difference between feel, being afraid of dying and being afraid of pain. So those are two separate things. But if you're afraid of what's going to happen to you after you die, those are all things God wants to talk to you. Those are all things that signal that there's a misunderstanding between you and the nature of God. Stress is a red flag. Anxiety is a red flag that you're trying to do something that is God's job. And he's letting you know, wait a minute, you're trying to lift a rock that that I made too big for you because I don't want you moving it. It's my rock to move. We think God wants to make our path so clear that we never have any obstacles. I, I understand there's some new, you know, we've, we've all heard about the helicopter pilots, uh, parents that hover above their parents and make sure nothing bad ever happens to them and make their, you know, try to... Um, hover over their lives to make sure they don't make any mistakes and make make things smooth for them. Well, now I guess there's a new um, a new phrase: the the lawnmower parent, where they not only arrange, you know, hover, they go before their child and they they make phone calls and they they make every arrangement to make sure that that there is no obstruction in their child's path whether it's when they're trying to get into college, when they're trying to get a job, before they're, you know, in their relationships, in their, you know, credit history, and they're trying to, you know, make, you know, make a move. They, they want to make their path so smooth when really what, what they're doing is they're keeping their children from growing up, from reaching their full potential as adults here on this earth, because it is through our mistakes, it is through falling that we learn how to get up. It is through believing lies that we learn the truth. What is repentance? It's turning. Once we see a lie, once we see a mistake, once we see we're believing things that aren't true, we turn from them. That's repentance. We learn by our mistakes, just as Jesus did. He had to learn through obedience how to live on this planet. So you and I, we don't want to find ourselves pulling back, drawing back from making mistakes. And we don't want to rely on others 
to feed us the information. We, you know, just as those those kids relying on their parents to make the way smooth for them, pretty soon they're going to learn that's not fulfilling. It's not satisfying to have your your path through life so easy there, that there's never any challenge, that there's never any failure. That's not living. We, God made us to need challenge. So when we talk about having a, a free will, our will isn't free until it's fully connected to our spirit. Because your will believes lies. Your will, your soul is believing things that aren't true about yourself, about your life, about God. And you're making decisions without all the facts. You know, our will is our chooser. Which way shall I go? Who shall I believe? What is my path? Who's right? Who's wrong? If we rely on others to decide what is right and wrong for us, our will will never make mistakes. And our will needs to learn how to choose, how to develop good judgment. We could look at our emotions as well. Our soul, being in control, wants to control, have our emotions. We want to have our emotions under control. So we like to avoid pain. And yet very often the process of being healed in our emotions involves experiencing pain, sometimes re-experiencing pain. But what are the, one of the big, th- big things we learn as we experience pain is how to go to God for comfort. You know, what's a, our, one of our favorite words for this Holy Spirit is comforter. He is our comfort. Well, why do we need comfort? Because we're experiencing pain. And likewise, our mind. When we rely on others to tell us what we should be thinking, what what is true, what is the you know white right interpretation of what's going to happen next, when we rely on others to to speak truth, we run from hard conversations with God. You know, the whole concept of God being a reconciler of all things. You know, we've talked about, you know, again, our soul wants to control everything. And our control is definitely into earning God's goodness, earning God's grace being worthy and deserving of what God wants to give us freely. And the more your soul's control fails in whatever way God chooses, (coughs) the more frustrated your soul's going to get and your mind is going to be confused. But, you know, here's, here's one of the challenges we have as we, for instance, attend a church. What happens is we rely on encouragement. 
You know, God can spend a whole week poking and trying to reveal a wound and get us to the place where we will repent from that wound with the idea that, you know, I should never feel bad. If I'm a a victorious Christian, I should never feel bad. And he takes a whole week, six days, to get us to the point where, God, I don't know what's going on. You know, can you help me? Can you help me understand? We finally turn to him for comfort. And then we go to church. And the church comes in and bolsters our emotions and gets us all rowdy and, and riled up when and undoes the whole six days of what God had brought us to, to the point of turning to him out of discomfort so that we could receive his comfort. And our mind wants to have the answer to everything rather than going, Lord, whatever it is you're doing, I accept it. Point me in the right direction. Let me know if I need to make changes. When we start to ask God yes and no questions in any of these areas, we start to get a much better understanding of what he is truly doing in our lives. Now, there's only, you know, we're each one of us only here on this earth for a limited period of time. And whatever that period of time is, God has purposed and planned because he knew from the beginning, and so did we. God knows he has your days numbered. Not because he's, you know, sees the end from the beginning, but because he is the end and the beginning. He controls time. He creates time. If he wants to stretch your days, he can do that. If he wants to cram more into your days, if he wants to, you know, what a, he can turn things in midair and give you drop understanding in your mind, drop healing into your soul. He can speed up what he wants to do in your life at any given time. But most of what he wants to do is on a moment-by-moment basis. So it's very often, it's like the domino effect. As soon as one thing starts, we find, you know, once we, for instance, learn how to let God heal our emotions, once that starts, it's like the dominoes or the Jenga where you pull one out And all of a sudden, there's a cascade of emotional healing that occurs that we didn't even know we needed. Or in our mind, when when we allow him to put his finger on a lie. For instance, that God hates some people and God loves other people, and those people he hates he sends to to some kind of this hell thing where they're going to be separated from eternity from him eternally and it's us to up it's up to us to prevent that from happening. We have the eternal people's eternal souls in our hand and God's going to hold us accountable for that. That's a lie. And if we believe it, that stress separates us from the peace of God. Where he says I have everything under control. I love everybody equally because that's my nature. And when we start understanding that, when we start accepting God's true nature, you know, the reconciliation of all things comes in. Uh, that we misunderstand the concept of heaven and hell. That the you know the the end times and you know doctrines of the end times, doctrines of of prophecy and, and interpreting prophecy and 
the the doctrines of the rapture and and tribulation and all these things that we have accepted because they're popular or we've heard them a lot or we've seen you know they're taught in the church and we don't question them we let our mind feed on lies and we we'll, and and then when one falls and we under, begin to understand the true nature of God how many other lies just automatically you know sometimes God just brings them up for okay well then that's not true then that's not true then that can't be true this doesn't reflect my my nature. Now, some things we're going to have a real struggle with. Well, then, God, if you are a God of love, why do you allow suffering? And and we ask him. And a lot of questions, just like in, in the book of Habakkuk, he's going to say, you're not ready to hear the answer to that. Or he may give an answer that just, you know, may make total sense to you that you might not even be able to put into words. But he will respond in some way. It may not even be an answer. It may be, you know, just as he finally responded to Paul, my grace is sufficient. Just know that I am love, and that's all that matters. That whatever his purpose is for suffering in the world, it is out of his love. And someday... You know, your spirit, we remind ourselves, our spirit already knows the answers to these questions. And our desire and need for answers to those questions in order to accept other answers to questions is an aspect of our need for solical control. In other words, I'm not going to accept your love for me unless I understand it. I'm not going to accept your concept of freedom or justice or mercy, unless I understand it. And God says, no, that's not the way I work. Part of the process of joining our soul with our spirit is that your soul, it's going to maintain its desire and need for control, but it's going to look totally different. It's going to be wrapped in the cloak of God's very nature. And you and I have a real hard time understanding that because you and I have not seen that. Nobody has seen that except those that were on this earth when Jesus was walking around to see what it looks like with a soul fully connected who needs control, desires control, was made for control, fully connected to the unconditional love of God. Only Jesus had that. Now, we are in the process of him building that in us, brick by brick, freedom by freedom, healing by healing. And one one comes, and this is, you know, again, we've talked so much about how important it is to spend time with him. And when he gives you a freedom or an insight in you, in how you think, in mistakes you've made, in choices you're in the midst of making, when you spend time on those, you give him the opportunity, instead of it just being, you know, one little change, he can, you know, set, it's like a fuse. He, lets, he lights the fuse, and we so often put the fuse out. When he's going to let that fuse run and, and set off a whole bunch of fireworks, a whole bunch of explosions that will start that dam breaking, 
where his love flows from our spirit into our soul more and more. And that's what we want. And what we find is, and this is part of what's counter to what we're so often taught, is it's not about other people. Let God worry about other people. Now, he's going to give you a love for other people, so don't worry about that. But what God is wants you to understand is that he loves you. You are his purpose. So if you want to be focused on his purpose, focus on you. Don't be distracted about what he's doing in other people. Now, he may give you, for instance, an encouraging word or a corrective word, a word of, you know, this is something that you need to, you know, work on. And sometimes those are the hardest to deliver and the hardest to receive, but the most filled with God's mercy, his judgment, his truth. But whatever it is, whatever it is he's working with you, focus on that. And with that comes change. And and this folds back into our abilities is because we are learning how to live and move and have our being in him. And the more confidence we have in his nature, in us, the more we're going to be willing to make mistakes as we try and use the abilities that we have. You know, miracles, healing, words of wisdom, Whatever it is, creative miracles, gifts of faith, speaking truth, speaking reality into being. These are all things that we should all and can be all operating in at all times, just as Jesus was. Those are parts of him that were, the you know, he was the pattern son. This is how, this is what it looks like. And he showed us, this is the way, walking in it. And yet we're afraid to. Why? Ask God. And, and think about, okay, when, we, when we're talking about, okay, we're going to do this and this and this, we're going to step out and, and, you know, think of someone in your life, even if it's somebody, a public figure, who needs healing, that's battling cancer. Use that as an example, Lord. How, you know, teach me, Lord, how would I, how do I, Reach that person. You know, do I ask you, did I, do I just make up something in my heart, in my mind? Do I speak it out loud? Do I, you know, um, wait for you? Do I write things out? Do I find a book? Is there a book I should? And we start pursuing. We start putting one thought in front of the, another, one feeling, one action in front of another in pursuit of learning how to use the ability to heal that we already have within us, that you all have within you. And so let's say you start doing that and you wonder, well, what about, what if this, what if I actually, something actually happens and that person is healed? Do I go to them and say, I was the person who prayed for you to be healed? Do I, you know, tell people? Do I pat myself on the back? Do I start a ministry? These are all things, those are the exact questions God wants you to ask. 
you know, we're going to be intimidated by the power and authority God has within us simply because we've never experienced it before. Think about the first time you've ever, you did a cartwheel or dove off the diving board. Things you've never done before, just jumped into the pool and, and swam, held your breath underwater. You know, think of the, you know, things that were scary that you even still you managed to do. You may not have done them perfectly, may not have done them gracefully, but you did them. But there was a level of overcoming fear involved. That's, you know, that in fear, in that kind of fear, there's a bit of wisdom, isn't there? Where we could get hurt or hurt other people, we want to be aware of uh, recognizing that fear, recognizing that caution. That doesn't mean it stops us. But we ask, Lord, is this something you want me to be doing? So, you know, as you think about, just go, you know, write down two, one or two or three. We, you know, we've been talking about this. Is there any fear in any of that? And identify what it is. And identify it according to your mind, according to your beliefs. For instance, if you can raise the dead, if everybody can raise the dead, why isn't everybody raising the dead? What would that look like? What if everybody was raising all the, you know, people, you know, car accident, and people all start, oh, let me raise that person. No, let me raise them. Or people being able to go to the hospital or to the cemetery. Should we raise everybody? How do we know who should be raised or not? These are, you know, just start going through and thinking, well, how would you feel if you raised somebody? How would you go about doing it? You know, uh, Jesus just spoke, you know, Lazarus, come forth. You know, we talk about, so you, so use each aspect of your soul and ask, Lord, is there something you want to reveal to me about my beliefs about each one of these abilities that are that may be blocking me? Or anything, even, Lord, that you just want to teach me about. What do I think about healing? What do I think about raising the dead? What do I think about giving a complete stranger a word of wisdom? And go ahead, be objective about it. Write it down and encourage yourself to accept whatever God speaks to you. Trial and error. We're all in this together. We're all in learning together. You're okay to make mistakes. You're free to make mistakes. You learn the most from your mistakes. So thanks for tuning in. We'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.